Well, welcome. I'm so glad to have all of you, you here for the flame for July 2014. Uh, it's great to have all of you with us um, tonight. Uh, tonight we have Father Tim Hoy, who's going to share with us uh, in the footsteps of Saint Catherine of Siena how the Lord worked through grace in his life to help him become who he should be, that we might set the world on fire, uh, which is what we're all about here at the Flame. I met Father Tim 16 years ago uh, when he was telling a story about Herman and Henrietta. <laughs> yeah. Yes, some of you I've know heard that Herman and Henrietta. That's right. That's, right. Uh, that's the first, that was my first, first experience of Father Tim. And uh, since then, he's taught me a lot about church stuff. Uh, he is an expert in uh, liturgy, and he's taught me a lot about liturgy and about uh, catechesis, so it's really been uh, an honor to know him uh, over these years. He ce just celebrated his 19th anniversary of priesthood just a couple weeks ago, I think. So we are really grateful to have him here uh, sharing his story with us. So please welcome Father Tim Hoy. John told me I had to turn this on and then I had to wait for 30 seconds for it to start. So, <laughs> so we'll just uh, wait for it to start. I did. Is it started? No. Maybe it is. Can you hear me over the system if that's what's supposed to happen? So I guess that it's working. It's working real well. Okay. So this story, this starts in February 2012. In February 2012, I was, I kind of thought that I was at the top of my game. I was a pastor in, in Spearfish. I've been there 10 years. And um, also I was pastor at uh, the other parish in Bellevue, St. Paul, and also the New Center. And we had a lot of things up in, in Rockin. Things were going really smoothly. Had a great, had a great staff. We renovated two churches, and things were going really pretty smoothly. And uh, yet, in my prayer, I felt God was calling me to something more. And as I pray about that, I think, well, I can't think of adding anything more. I mean, I was already kind of at my peak load limit as it was, and. Uh, but still, I had that reoccurring more kind of come up in my prayer again and again. And I um, was sitting at the table in my rectory, minding my own business, when uh, Bishop Cruz called. And he was asking me if I would go study canon law. And uh, I said to him, you know, if you guys are asking me to go study canon law, you guys are scraping along the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> And he said, well, um, he kind of paused a little bit, and he said, well, yeah, um, you know, we have asked other people. <laughs> but no one has said yes, no one has said yes. And so I said, well, this, no offense to you, but this is a, this is a dumb idea. <laughs> I, I'm not an academic, I'm, I'm a pastor, I've been in school in 18 years, this is, you know, I, I, you know, he said, before you answer, we just, you just pray about it. 
And I thought, you know, that's exactly what I tell people when I'm trying to get them to do something. <laughs> the very same thing. But so I prayed God for a couple months. And after I, you know, said the same thing to God, you know, this, this is stupid. Don't you think? This is a dumb idea. And I listed all my fears, kind of. I thought, well, maybe, maybe this is the more. Maybe this is the more we're living here. So I, you know, after some time, I told Bishop I would go. And, uh, but I wanted to go on sabbatical first because I'd been requesting that for three years and it had been turned down for a couple of different reasons each time. And so he, he granted that. And so when I went on to um, sabbatical, I still, even though I had said yes to go study Canada, I still had that, that sense that God wanted more. Just that, and just that word that, you know, just more, that he wanted more, something more. Um, and when I got to, my sabbatical program was at the North American College in Rome. And when I got there, um, they asked us right away in the beginning if we could just, they wanted to just pray about this first, but to just say what was one thing that we really wanted from our time sabbatical. Not necessarily maybe there, but just overall. And as I prayed about it, I really came to the point where I wanted um, to be in love with God the way I was when I made this first opening. And uh, not that I wasn't in love anymore, but, um, and I, I prayed, but sometimes I didn't pray all the hours that I was obliged to do, and sometimes I played, prayed all the hours at one time, one hour, <laughs> at the end of the day. And so, you know, my prayer life probably wasn't the best. And um, so I went, you know, and kind of met with the spiritual director in the beginning of the of the retreat, and I said that to him. I, 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 I you know, I just want to be in love. I want to be in love again. And uh, he said, well, you know, you have plenty of time here to pray on sabbatical, so when you go to prayer, just tell that to God. Just say that. And um, and so I, I started doing that in my prayer, and I, I did that plenty of times to pray. God wanted that. We prayed the liturgy of the hours in common as a group, there were about 30 of us. But I had time for private prayer too, for personal prayer. And um, around that same time, I was really missing being a pastor. Because, I, you know, up to that point, I had been a pastor really for, you know, almost, you know, almost 15 years I'd been a pastor. And so my whole identity was tied up with being a pastor. And um, I was talking to God about that several different days in my prayer. At one point in my prayer, God said to me, now, and I kind of just felt this in my heart, he said, you know, um, are you in love with me or my work? And I had to kind of say that I, I was probably more in love with the work. I loved the work. Uh, not that I didn't love God, but I, I, I was all in with the work, and I wasn't necessarily all in listening to him. So. And that was a, a good thing for me to kind of come to to say, okay, I don't have the work anymore, but I do have time um, with God. And the more I spent with him, you know, um, the more he started to reveal things to me bit by bit in kind of weird ways. Like one way is that when I went out into the city of Rome, Sabbatical is a great thing because it's the best kind of education because there's class in the morning and you can go if you want to. <laughs> and if you do go, you can 
you do go, there's no homework and there's no test, so you're not required to know anything. Right? <laughs> so it's just, it's, that's it. So I went to class in the morning, and uh, in the afternoon you're just free until whatever time of night you want to come back. And uh, when I, so I'd go out in the city of Roma every day, every day, I would get lost. I'd get lost, I'd hopelessly lost. And after a while, I just started to accept the fact that I was going to get lost. And I didn't really care because I didn't, I didn't have any commitments or anything to be to. So I would just go out and wander around. And, um, you know, getting lost is great exercise. <laughs> you, see, you see lots of things when you're lost that you didn't expect on scene. And uh, um, I would see things, and I would go home later and look them up on the internet and go, oh, that's what that was. <laughs> Um, and one, but every day I went out, um, uh, I would pretty much try to find my way back to the Piazza Navona. I just kind of like, if I, if I could get back there. And Romans, you know, <laughs> I would ask them for directions. Can you direct me to St. Peter's? Because if I could find St. Peter's, I knew my way home from there too. But they, they would just, oh yeah, it's over there, you know, and then my <laughs> but if I asked them about a tourist site, and where's Piazza Navona, they gave me the precise direction on how to get there. And so um, I would try to find my way back there. And every day I kept coming back there again and again. And it's kind of a, it's a place where all the artists kind of come to sell their wares, and they're there painting. And uh, you can have a nice cup of coffee and sit there in a nice Italian uh, air and watch these artists. And I started getting drawn to these two types of artists. One was a caricature artist, and one was a portrait artist. And they would have people who would sit down before them and they'd draw their picture. And the caricature artist, he always looked for the person's flaws. You know, whether it was a double chin, or a big nose, or big ears, or, and he would take their flaws, and he'd blow them out of proportion so it created this kind of funny picture. And people who sat before him usually were like college-age guys sometimes, right? <laughs> yeah, they wanted this kind of caricature. But the portrait artist was different. He um, almost always painted women. And if it was a, like a high school girl, he always made him look a little bit older, and if it was an older woman, he always made him look a little bit younger. But he always started with their eyes. He looked in their eyes. We started with their eyes first, and very incredibly detailed about their eyes. He looked into their eyes. And then as he kind of made this portrait of them, he, he looked for their beauty. He looked for their beauty. And he would always he would make them beautiful and even maybe a little more beautiful than they actually were. And, and um, as I watched that over and over, I... Uh, realized that God was speaking to me. Because in my own life, I was a little bit like those two. I was a little bit more like the caricatures in that I was looking at my flaws and the things that were imperfect about me. And I was got so focused on them that I was blowing them out of proportion. I was making them even worse than they, I was, I was making them into something worse than they actually were. And that God, really looks at us, he was kind of saying, that he looks at me as the, as the portrait artist. He, when he sees us first, he doesn't think about our sins, right? He says, God casts our sins as far as he is, he's going to last, right? But when he looks at us, he sees our beauty first. 
He sees what's good. He sees our strength. And he was really inviting me to allow him to look at my beauty, to look at my strength, to see what was good. And it was uncomfortable. It's like standing in front of someone allowing them just to look at you. Well, the next day in class, we had a speaker, and the speaker was telling us about um, an orphanage at Mother Teresa's where these girls, they didn't have, um, these, these boys, girls and boys, they didn't have um, school books, they didn't have any uniforms to wear to school. And um, how they would, the sisters would stand the girls in the doorway, and they would just stand them and they say, wait now, just let me look at you, and they sit back and they go, you are so beautiful. And they said that the girls didn't like it. They would look at the floor, but they'd say, no, just let me, just let me just stand there and let me take in your beauty. And with the boys, they'd put them there and they'd say, you are so strong. Wow, you are handsome. And they just make them stand there and let the sister take in their strength and their beauty. And then they would send them off clothed in their own beauty, in their own strength. And this speaker was saying, when we go to pray, we need to take time at the beginning of our prayer just to allow God to do that to us. Just to allow Him to take in our strength, take in our, our beauty. And um, I started doing that. I started doing that little by little. And then, um, another time, I uh, was out in the city and I was hopelessly lost. But that time, I actually did have some place to be. I had some place to be. I was supposed to leave our, our class, got invited to go over to the Marinals. They had a, uh, a monastery there, and they wanted us to go come over for lunch. And so I had a place to be. I was supposed to be back with the knack to get on this bus to go to this place. And I had already missed the time when I was supposed to go, and I had an address. And sometimes I used my phone to with the GPS on the phone to kind of find out where I was, but that draws your battery down. The battery was dead. It was getting dark, and uh, it was, you know, unfortunately, Rome is not really laid out in kind of straight lines and, and nice, nicely ordered like this. It's like the economy is chaotic, it's chaotic. And so uh, I, um, I didn't know what I was gonna do. And it was getting dark, and uh, I was in some back alley somewhere, and uh, <laughs> the morning, the morning psalm, that morning for morning prayer, the antiphon was, surrender to God, and he will do all things for you. And I was standing there thinking about that, and I, I just said, I mean, I was, up, I was there by myself, and it wouldn't matter, I couldn't speak in time, so I didn't think it probably wouldn't have <laughs> But I said, I just said, I don't know, I don't know what to do, Lord, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to get to this address. I, I don't know where I am. I don't know how I'm going to get back. Ah, you know, I surrender. I surrender. And just then, one of those little electric buses that runs the back streets of Rome pulled up, and the doors opened up, and there was my class. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I stood there with my mouth I was just stunned. And I said, what are you doing? <laughs> I kind of think 
that's really the more that God is calling me to all this while, to just surrender. Just surrender. Because a lot of my life, as a priest up to that point, I was following the Lord, but kind of at a distance. Kind of like, kind of like Peter of the Passion. It says that he followed him to the courtyard of the high priest, but he was following at a distance, kind of a safe distance. I was, I was following him, but I wasn't really getting that close. And in large part, because when I got close then, um, I, I, I was afraid that, that I, by giving up my will, I might lose something. Or I might ask me to do something really scary. And then what? And so I kind of stayed at a safe distance. And that kind of experience of that surrender and, and God, you surrender to God and he'll do all things for you. It's really kind of what I started doing. I just started in the morning just trying to surrender. Just right away in the morning, wave the white flag and say, <laughs> I probably don't know what I'm doing. And you, you did it, you did And after a while, I, I kind of got to the point where I can say, I, I don't know. I wasn't really willing to say that at the beginning. I was, I was willing to say, maybe I don't know what I'm doing. Then it was probably, I don't know. And now it's like, okay, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, you know, you know, you know what I'm supposed to do. And, uh, you know, Canon Law School was, that I was terrified about going back to school after 18 years. It's not so bad. And what I learned about going back to school after 18 years is, you know, if you study, <laughs> you can learn a lot of stuff. <laughs> and uh, if you read along, kind of with the, 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 the readings that are prescribed, you can know enough to ask questions in class. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I met good friends there, and I had one year, one year down, I still have one year to go, and I'm not quite sure how canon law ministry is going to be a joyful thing for me. Um, but the surrendering deal is really panning out pretty well. And so you know, I would say that if God's calling you to more, um, you surrender to God. He'll do all things for you. installment of The Flame. All of our podcasts are posted on theflamerc.com, so if you miss it, you can uh, listen there and share with your friends.